This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. And welcome to another brand new episode of Oh, the Horror. It's a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the newcomer, Steve Allman. And I'm the expert, Rob Holmes. And today we are looking at the 1989, uh, like, let's just call this a weird one, because we just started before we were rolling with this with a weird, the 1989 weird one, The Burbs. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is pure Joe Dante. Like this, Joe Dante, is... camp ass Joe Dante. I don't, you know, uh, I don't think camp ass Joe Dante because when we get camp Joe Dante, Gremlins Two is camp Joe Dante because he's doing sure. a parody of his own film. This to me is, I I love this movie because it it definitely is a piss take on suburbia and sure. how. People are, you know, and it is, it's very, you're in this cul-de-sac. That's it. This is the movie. You are introduced to the planet, and then you are introduced to a small town, and you are introduced to a cul-de-sac. And in this cul-de-sac, you end up seeing that there, it's like in the middle of the night, I think, is how it starts, and all these noises are coming out of a house. So it's really cool. I mean, you get some Dutch angles right away. They're really trying to make it strange. You know that there's something weird, and you're introduced to each one of the neighbors uh, right, pretty much right off the bat. You know, you get to see who these people are, or at least in the beginning, you get to see Tom Hanks um, and Carrie Fisher and then in the morning, I think you're introduced more to Bruce Dern, uh, Dukeman, and uh, a couple others throughout. Yeah. By the way, Corey Feldman. Corey yes, Feldman. Yes, of course. So, yes. again, for the time, star-studded cast. Like, kind of Hell shockingly yeah, star-studded cast. Uh, like, really, like, in, like a who's who. But more, like, I, I, the, the cast profounds me because everybody has their moment. Everybody mm-hmm. plays off of each other in this like really wacky wacky way it's and so but it's i never, i think it works so well because it, everyone's a weirdo in this film that's the thing they think their neighbors are weird but they're all acting like a bunch of freak shows right like, and it, it's kind of in a weird because it, it it i'm not saying that this is atonal but it, it's like there's this weird juxtaposition of everybody being like meta and kooky with the sort of adventure that they're going on with the mystery that's unfolding mm-hmm. and then they even step out of that and be like wait a minute what's going on like how can we right like, th- there's this weird like meta that only comes in and out of itself i don't see movie. i don't i don't really notice how much meta it is as much as it seems like um like ce- a center and eccentric sketch you know where your center is supposed to be you know, Ray Peterson, Tom Hanks's character, and everyone around him is this eccentric person. Because really, by the end of it, he does get swept up in it. Yeah. But then he just loses it by the end where he's just, I mean, he's been blown up, essentially, but he's attacking uh, sure, yeah. 
his buddy Art. He's just he's just you know take me to the hospital, spinning around. Nobody uh, has it, a far more amusing freakout in any like nobody can do it better than Tom Hanks in my right, opinion for right. like a, and, just like a hilarious turn. And it's very over the top, and it's great. But this whole movie. You're you're seeing people who you're like, man, I know that guy. Like, the, I know that type of neighbor person, and they they definitely take those those caricatures almost of these people, and and they run with it. But I think it works really well. Um, having Carrie Fisher in this was just that's the thing. Going back and looking at this, it's just it makes it that much better. Like looking at the cast as we know them now, and looking at them then, right? So it's like Tom Hanks megastar he was already doing really well in the 80s tons of stuff bruce right. Dern. And he was on the he was he was on the big big time come up like he had done the yeah. money pit he is he was doing all these i think porky's was well after this he, like he, he wasn't had done, he didn't, like wait, wait wait which one porky's wasn't porky's like in the he, he, early no 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 dude tom hanks didn't do porky's what, what am i tom thinking hanks of? was you're thinking like you're thinking um what was it night shift or no 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 night school or whatever it was Anyway, the Bachelor Party. He did Bachelor ah, Party. He did right. a bunch of those ones, but he didn't That's do that. That's what I am thinking um, of. I'm thinking of Bachelor Parties. And then there was uh, the Bruce Dern. I think this is Bruce Dern's best role. Like, he's batshit crazy in this, but it's awesome. Um, you got Rick Dukeman as Art, who sounds like – he sounds like Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Like, this entire did, time as I'm listening to him, I'm like, Rick Dukeman sounds just like Dan Aykroyd. Um, you got Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman's been in a lot of, of stuff that, you know, uh, that has been done by uh, Joe Dante, so this wasn't surprising to see him back in this. Um, Wendy Shaw, Henry Gibson is Dr. Klopek. Oh, man. This man, dude, he's, he's, a, he's a creepy guy. Very creepy. Very, very creepy. Brother Theodore as Ruben Klopek. Like, Brother Theodore is also creepy. He barely says anything the entire movie, but has this just look of disdain on his face. Um, Courtney Gaines, who we all know from, well, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us know from Children of the Corn, um, plays Hans. Hey, this dude, he looks normal now, but during the 80s, he had the most unique, insane, creepy, hillbilly-esque look. Yeah, it, and I it's it's so very on point with uh, mm-hmm. with the character that that called for this. Oh yeah, I mean it's just it's absolutely perfect, and it's it ups that creepy factor. This movie would not be as strange or weird as it is if it weren't for like the sardine scene with him, or basically any scene he's in, like the introduction when they go up uh, to to give brownies to them. And Bruce Dern steps on the board and falls through. The brownies go everywhere. He God. comes out and he just scoops him onto the plate and just hands him so, back to this guy. So like, uh, like it's the timing. It's the ding dong door open crack. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's just like it's that one two three that I couldn't possibly like. It's so good. It's so very. That's fun. that. And the, we're talking randomly through this movie as we're going through characters. But like, oh, and the other two cameos in this: Dick Miller and Robert Picardo as like, the garbage what? men. Yeah. It's like, so, I, well, Dick Miller was in everything Dante did. But seeing Miller and Picardo there just bantering back and forth is that's just comedy gold. Like yeah, it's, it's awesome. It, it's great. And it's that very like New Yorkish over the top like like what do you like I pay your salary, yada yada yada. Like Yeah, yeah. It, it, I I keep going back to thinking about how hard of a sell this script must have been, this pitch must have been. I don't know if it really was because remember all of these guys were doing really well at the time. 
Sure. So, and we also have, so this is produced by Ron Howard as well. Dana Olson, the guy who wrote it, also produced it. And then Ron Howard was a producer as well. So you're talking about, like, it's Universal Pictures. It's Imagine Entertainment. This had people all just automatically believing in it. Why? Because it was it was a family. It was dealing with family. It was dealing with the suburbs, and it was dealing with something very strange. But the movie never has to get gory. It has a couple of visual imagery gags as far as bones, and then the dream sequence of him being roasted, and the the little hatchet inside of um, uh, inside their neighbor's head, uh, and then inside of uh, the little dog's head. Which you can yeah. tell is a total, like, it's one of those gag prop things. The one in Walter looks like it could be, you know, potentially real, you know, for the gag. But then the one in the dog, you can even see the little band around it. And I'm like, that is adorable. That is, it's, it's, it's just so, great. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, like, I keep trying to think of uh, what movie that people thought they were making at this time. Or, like, as this was being filmed. Because I, it's so hard to make sense of, like, the tone in the room when everybody's saying these wacky crazy lines and they still have to kind of say it with that straight face and i get and again it get, it's it's a comedy it's threads so many it treads so many lines that it kind of breaks your neck with how you're trying to supposed to make sense with it uh and that's kind of what i was like really like is tom hanks like like he'll go from like 0 to 11 uh in in like outrage in one scene but like i think he's yelling I, at his that, son and he's like your mother right. and i are having a conversation wait a minute what did you say like yeah, it's it's really yeah. like it's pulling the rubber band for everybody just to have fun, and right. it, like it's so odd because I haven't seen this combination of so many characters and actors that are so well known going this far forward. Right. Well, so I'm looking right now. Um, so Dana Olson, who wrote the script, they say he based it under or, uh, on his like childhood experience growing up, and he said he had an ultra normal middle class upbringing. But his town had a bunch of, you know, crazy people there. And apparently in the 1930s, there was this uh, hatchet murder where um, and he said every once in a while, you'd pick up the local paper and read something like librarian kills family self. So he just thought it would be weird that if there was someone down the street who ended up being this crazy killer. So, yeah, he, he thought it was funny. You know, there's the comedy part of it and there's the serious part of it. So he approached it as Ozzy and Harriet meets Charlie Manson. <laughs> so i mean I, I think that's i think that's great you know and it's it's such a strange concept and they were saying brian grazer liked the concept of taking a regular guy who has a vacation that you have and you're just putting him into this strange world that his neighbors are just pulling him into so it's a mystery it's a horror it's a comedy it's all of these things and that's where i think this film is very very successful I think it it's it kind of reminds me of like nothing but trouble. Okay, you know okay. that one. It's it, it's a very you know, but nothing but trouble. I think is just a more crazier version of this. It's almost like the dream sequence of this for an entire movie. Right, and and that's and that's kind of why it throws you every once in a while because then it'll have like this weird like that dream sequence that Tom Hanks had. It has it has like this weird like like tales from the crypty like underlighting with red and like it's it feels like it's out of another movie. And then you see that style kind of creep in to that movie as it go more and more as it goes forward. And I'm like, what is this movie? Like, this movie's kind of genius. It's like, very it's just- layered, right? So it's like normal suburban family. And as this guy essentially 
by the end of it, I mean, he kind of descends into madness. He goes, in a weird he goes way. a little nuts, like in a he, well, com- I mean, he, he blows himself up, comical way. And, yeah. yeah, which is so I love. So they basically, the idea is they think that the neighbors have murdered. These new neighbors have murdered uh, Walter Sesnick because he's just gone. Like all of a sudden he's there, and then Walter's not there. So all the, Bruce Stern, uh, you know, Mark Rumsfeld, he's a former like lieutenant or something, or maybe he is still I don't know military background. So he's just batshit crazy. Sure. Um, he's got his rifles and all that shit. He falls off the roof at one point because he's just like staring through the scope of his rifle and just not paying attention at all <laughs> yeah uh, or gets distracted by uh by um yeah cory ricky Sorry. butler the ricky character butler. ricky butler what a what a what a piss Which, ant. this dude and i actually love his character i think it's fantastic because the guy doesn't want to watch tv he doesn't want to do anything except have his friends come over and sit outside and just watch the craziness on a date he has her come outside to watch his neighbors That's because it's so... that entertaining. Right, and, like, Corey Feldman's character throughout that whole movie was, like, more annoying as it went on, but then, like, it's just, like, that, that's clearly, like, the the surrogate of the director, kind of, where he just I wants guess, to start I feel trouble. Like, like, he, like, he's I kind feel of rebelling like against whatever's in. coming. Yeah, but, like, I guess, he's kind but of he ties it in, like, so well. Yeah, but he's looking at all of this being like all right we're just having fun like he's not yeah even, like he's it's kind of wash like water off a duck's back for him because he's just kind of on this you know bandwagon yeah. that everybody else is on and well, remember dude he's he's essentially the eyes of the screenwriter you know sure. if dana olson based this on his childhood growing up and seeing all this stuff happen then push it to his teenage years mm-hmm. he is ricky butler so he's yeah. watching all of this unfold from you know his house he never really has to leave like he gets in there and tries to stop the car and the cops at one point he's always trying to help you know even if he's being kind of a little shit he's always trying to help out and if they ask him to do something he'll do it you know uh when they tell him to kick out nick cat or nicky cat uh who's his buddy who's over and uh which is such a weird early role for him um and he's like Get him out of your yard. Yeah, man, get out of my yard. Get out of my yard. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it, it's just that comedic yeah. ex- escalation that it, you you can't really know how to make like, – you can laugh at the at the movie at the end of this, but, like, if you think about it more and more, like, you can kind of – like, it's kind of messed up. <laughs> well, it's a dark comedy. This whole thing is yeah. just meant to be – you know, it's a very – this is where, you know, people are like, oh, it's not a horror movie. No, it, not really. It's a very, very dark comedy that has elements of horror in it. But at the same time, I still, I just have fun with it. I can still see it in that realm. Like, it's, you know, I don't see it as just a lighthearted comedy. I don't see it as something normal. I see it as a Joe Dante film. It's always going to be strange. It's always going to be unique. It's always going to have elements of horror in it, even if it's not a horror film. Mm -hmm. All of his stuff is usually, well, I would say most of his stuff has that feel to it. There's, there's something that's always off kilter. Nothing ever seems normal with a Dante film. Right. And, and I think that's kind of the, like, that's the charm that comes with it uh, yeah. as it goes on. Because, uh, it keep, like, it, at the start of this, this is borderline, like, uh, like it could be Tim. You can label this as early Tim Burton-esque. You could label this as, like, I, I was thinking in a weird way, like, Goonies for adults. 
like in the beginning because it's the, that suburban. I mean, they're like, going. They are kinda... going on an adventure, and they are yeah. looking for essentially a buried treasure. That treasure being bodies. So like, they're always they think that they're going to uncover something. They'll unravel this mystery. They'll find the treasure, and almost like the Goonies, they do in that accidental way of, oh, we didn't find it. Oh, but hey, what's this? We found it. It's almost <laughs> yeah. like how they find the jewels and the gems. That's how they find all of the skulls and the bones and everything to prove that this these people actually are just crazy, cannibalistic, cult, devil worship. I don't know what it is. There's, you know, he thinks they're like devil worship right. cult or this, something. This conspiracy or this like belief that something is there and something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Or you could also just like chalk it up to boredom in the burbs like you know what i mean like they, like they'll fabricate something like this that weird paranoia that they could bring to that scenario like and it's it, like you, you mentioned suburbia as well like it is very much a piss take of that and i yeah. i just i really think that it's a uh it, it's a it's a fascinating sort of turn with all of these stars like really believing <laughs> uh that this is like that movie because again i i keep thinking about how weird of a movie this is to pitch and yeah. it keeps coming back to like what do you like what do you tell carrie fisher to get her on board what do you tell uh tom hanks to get him on board and it's kind of just like you'll have fun like you'll be uh, you we'll know be i, on I a think suburban back lot yeah and, and we're just gonna we're just gonna like riff and have a good time with it I, I feel like very... the, I feel like you just have to read this. I feel like it's one of those things where you just have to read the script and kind of had to have grown up almost during the time that the writer did because you know they and people weren't just sitting around watching TV, playing video games, and doing all that stuff. They were out. They were yeah, doing things. You know, Rear Window Making was popular at that time. Hitchcock was popular. So that idea of what if the person next door is actually a killer, but then in the mind of a kid. It's going to be even crazier. They're going to, you know, it's, it's, the things are going to stand out and be very obvious that make yes, these people yes. uh, killers, potentially, even if they might be misunderstood. And I think that's what works extremely well in this because he just embraces it and goes with this with all of the characters. If these were just three generic guys who lived next to each other, like art is batshit crazy. The stuff he talks about and all of his stories, I mean, he, he just riles people up with all this crazy conspiracy theories. And then it's the same with Rumsfeld. He does the exact same thing. Like, they just, they basically sit around and as as Ray is trying to have this, like, nice relaxing vacation where he finally has some time off and can do stuff and it's his, like, staycation, you know? Mm-hmm. They just pull him into this because he does want some excitement. He just doesn't want to sit around and do nothing. He really deep down he he wants some adventure in his life, and this is what gets him into that. And it gets these guys excited to do something than just sit around their houses too. So it's just it's so cool to see. It is actually yeah, it's like a grown up Goonies, right? Um, and it, and it's kind of the thing that pulls them out of that monotony and the things that they really yes, needed to exactly like get them like sort of to come together as a neighborhood really because there was like this weird like ah that crazy guy and like oh hey rick he's got a gun great okay we're moving on like that kind of thing is just like breaking them out of that suburbia americana norman rockwell painting that like okay we need something to get like we need some spice here and right 
it, it's the it, it's very like when I say that it's self conscious about the like adventure that puts these guys that that they put these uh, people on, uh, the tone that the movie sets like the characters lean into. Like when the, mm-hmm. I can't remember there was there was that scene where like they were like waiting in the backyard and there was that like d- like Dutch angle tilt to like you know musical hit and then like e- like they all pull a funny face and then go back to right. like oh well wait a minute like it's that weird like oh where it, the camera the camera shoot no the camera like zooms in on their face it does that screaming like yeah ah. yeah and then, and then like, ah. it, yeah yeah and then they just like oh well wait a minute if we like if they just go right back to it and yeah it's that kind of like it's not meta but it's very tongue it's it's fun and, but it, it it's fun it works but it's not like they look and wink at the camera yeah it's not tongue in cheek at that point it's not a wink and a nod it's just creating you know, it's using the camera to create something and add an extra element to it. And I think that it works there. And also, I, I have to say, one of my favorite moments, and it's a l- long way that they play out this scene, is that you see the dog go next door because it, it's digging underneath or whatever. And then you see the dog come back as Art's talking to Ray. And he, you know, he sees, he picks up the bone, he throws it. Doesn't even notice what type of bone it is. And, you know, when you first see it, you're like, what the? F-? And then the dog comes back with the bone that scene is still showing this backyard and the fence the framing of it is basically showing you like this is originally where it came from and then having that come back and they see the bone and it's like he's like looking it's what's that it's a bone no it's a human femur bone well how do you know that and then like it's just great how the banter goes between them but it's such a cool moment where you realize oh shit there is something going on we got to now dig a little deeper into this. And that's where they start to as well. Um, I mean, they decide that they're going to cut the power, you know, Um, which is great to see that moment because Art has no idea what he's doing and electrocutes the shit out of himself. Instead of dying like a normal person, uh, his fillings are hot and his fingernails have turned black. So it's just weird and it's almost cartoony in a way. This actually, this this film is kind of cartoony in a way, um, especially when we get to the ending and how all of that happens, because the survival stuff in this, uh, yeah, I, no one would really, sure. I don't think. But again, it's um, this thing where like I'm I'm willing to believe the things that. Oh, they I'm willing to believe because this movie's because weird this movie, as shit. Yeah. yeah, this movie's bananas, and like. I'm not trying to gleam any sort of realism. Like these characters are just gonna act the way they're gonna they're gonna act, and there's not really gonna be much of a rhyme or like not that there's no yeah. rhyme or reason, but like things will just happen and they'll just react again. Like, but that, here's the thing: it's a, not it's the, not that's the femur. Ah, like, yeah, but it's not that. weird on a level of like Better Off Dead weird. Now, exactly. Better Off Dead is great, great '80s film, but Better Off Dead is is a movie that is it's strange on a whole new level. Like that is a whole new level. This is definitely more, it's definitely more contained in its weirdness and strangeness. Um, You get to watch it go from regular suburban Americana to delving into a Technicolor Hitchcock um, approach. Uh, Very saturated by the time we get to the end of it, you know, because now they're thinking, all right, if it's not, if it's not outside, it's got to be inside. All the bodies have to be inside. So they're, oh, they're going out. Oh, we've talked to them now. We're going to find a way to get in. So that's where they're going to go with it at this point. And when they do, when they start digging through, 
you're just watching Ray descent into because he he basically when they get caught doing whatever they're doing, he says to his wife, "No, you know what? You're right. This is crazy. There's nothing there. Like, yeah, we're we're not going to do this anymore." But really. He's like, no, we are doing this because there is shit going on. I found Walter's toupee. Why would they have Walter's toupee? <laughs> yeah. uh-huh, He's yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. put it back at Walter's house, and now they have it. And it's just this cool moment. It's a you're like, yeah. I, I just I thought it was great because then he gets his wife to go away, and it's like, oh man, these guys are gonna go all out on this. This is happening. Ricky gets his friends over there, and uh, now there's like people watching this. So you're like, you're getting to this big moment this big finale it's night out there's lights on everywhere it's all cool looking uh and they find that furnace um and they keep digging and they start digging everyone starts coming home everything builds up and then you find that walter walter's coming home guys it's Walter. <laughs> yep. Yes, indeed. And you're like, oh, shit, because the Klopaks are coming back. Now they're with the cops. He's still digging. He's found something. What's going on? Boom, he hits a gas line, and the house explodes. Right. As Art is running <laughs> out of it, out of no... So you're like, what the... What just happened? Because mm-hmm. it's such a... It is It is gone to this boiling point and then just kind of gone... I mean, it's it's... It ratchets itself up to an to an absurd degree, but like you you can see where like it's building to something you don't know what, and by the time like it's slowly turning itself into a different movie. Uh, uh yeah, it very much is because this house blows up. Carrie Fisher gets back, you know, with um with her son, I think, and he's she thinks obviously the house is blown up, and all of a sudden this music hits. Tom Hanks walks out. <laughs> yeah. Half of him looks It's not good, you know? No, like his no, eyes swollen shut, half of his face is just all the hairs kind of burnt off the side of it a right. little bit, you know, a he's little charred up. Tunes, you might say. But he definitely looks like he is messed up. He's not like, "Hey, I made it through an explosion, my hair is perfect and everything's okay." It's I made it through an explosion I look like shit. I may not be missing limbs. Yeah. But oh bit of a man, thousand, bit of a thousand yard stare as well. Like it's it's yeah. It's gonna take a while for him to fully heal up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So then he has his his big his big uh, you know, tantrum moment, which is absolutely amazing. Where he's just like he just goes off at art, and he's like, no, they're not. You know, they're not these crazy people. We're the ones who are crazy. They're just trying to live their life. We're the crazy ones. And he's just like spins around like take me to the hospital and that's an amazing (laughs) moment but then we find out everything is not as it seems ah yes Uh, this is this is where i was like actually very on board for this this was there's uh, five minutes left of the movie at this point too Yeah, yeah, yeah five minutes left but i think i think having it as this last moment reveal works so well like if if this weren't the ending if this is not how it went i don't think it would have i don't think it would have worked as i mean i think it would have been entertaining but not as memorable we wouldn't be talking about it 30 years later in such high regard probably and and it's and it's the it's the ending like this that i love because it's the it's it's borderline like like 
narrator closing the book on this weird chapter. But wait, like it's that there's more, yeah, uh-huh. because... like the the tales from the crypty twilight zoney, mm-hmm. very like again, but like again played tongue in cheek, played super like in the time straight, but like you know that it's yeah. absurd. It's it's so like it it's it's very again. I don't want to say meta because it's more so like plucking all of these fun things that you've seen before and just giving it a fun new twist rather than yeah, well, I mean, playing yeah. it on its ear. Because uh, it seems like they're all going to go to jail and right. he's going to go to the hospital first. The charges are going to be brought up on everyone because the Klopaks literally have alibis for everything. There's reasons yes. for all of it. Mm-hmm, Walter mm-hmm. had been away. Walter's now back. Um and they had, you know, been taking care of the dog or something. All this crazy shit had been going on. And then, you know, he's in the ambulance. They're about to leave. And the doctor comes on in. And uh, he's talking to him. And, and Ray explains. He's like, man, I'm so, you know, I'm sorry about all this. You're right, you know. And Dr. Klopak's like, do you think I'm an idiot? I know you saw, like, my skulls or whatever. And he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you took one. He's like, you know. Then you realize this guy's batshit crazy. They've been right the whole time. They have guessed this perfectly. They're, and he, it turns out they have murdered the Naps or the Nabs who were there before. Yeah. Uh, whatever the family was. And they murdered them. And now he's going to do the same to him and add him to his skull collection or whatever. And then you have Hans driving the car or, you know, the ambulance to get away. They fight. It veers off. It crashes into Art's house. And then in this amazing moment, the back of the ambulance opens up and they're fighting on the gurney. It is because you think, oh, no, it's over. It's just ended. This is crashed. And it's like, no, we're still going. Now it's on this type of vehicle. Like it's on. It's it's so good. Yeah, it's it's and it's played so well because it's escalating so quickly from the yes, like, from okay. Well, now we're now here we go. It, it's it, like th- this movie is again very. It, I, I I annoyingly keep coming up with meta, but it's it's so self aware of what it wants to do that any sort of turn that it wants to make, like this could have made a hundred and six, like a, a 360 shift to a di- completely different movie. And it would have done it with that sort of efficiency where yeah. it had, it knows exactly what to do and where to take itself to give out this great effect for a finale. And it's, it's perfect. It's, it's perfectly done. Uh, it, it's like, basically, it, it's, it's essentially, it's essentially Hitchcock's rear window. Right. That late game through twist. The lens told through the lens of Joe Dante, mm-hmm, exactly. uh, done, but with, but done with like suburban adults in the style of like a Goonies adventure, and that's it makes it fun, and that's what's great about it is because it doesn't take itself too seriously. It has so much fun throughout, and when it go- does get to that moment, and then they're riding on the gurney, and it's it's kind of tense. I mean, he's trying to inject them with this needle, and it's you're like, oh shit, is this actually going to happen? Um, and then they crash into the car. And it looks, you know, they still make it seem like, oh, Klopak's this innocent guy until the trunk opens up and they, it's like, oh, we couldn't find the bodies. No, I think we found them. And then it's mm-hmm. all, I mean, so many skulls, so many bones. Um, and then you have Hans trying to get away, which is, I love watching him try and get it's away so and watching funny. Bruce Stern, like, tackle him down. It's that so is funny. one of my favorite moments. 
Like it, um, it's it's so well again. Like when this wants to be slapstick, I think that's probably the best like gut busting laugh that I could that I could have mustered from this movie because it's again so like over the top, but like it it owns it so well. It, it's, well, and then and then it it has that final moment with art of. Art, your house is on fire. <laughs> oh, and your wife's home. And he's like, my wife's home? Yeah, like, that's, that's the, the thing like, that bravo. sets him off. And he even has, I think it even has, like, a sound effect for it. Yeah, like, like I'm going to butcher but it, but it's, it's like, so, <laughs> like, I, th- I think it was like a spring, like the boing type thing where yeah. it's like, what? Like, egg it's on so, my face. Yes, and it's awesome because that is this movie. It mm-hmm. is... It is a live-action cartoon, essentially. I think it's amazing. Um, and then it's, we get again, to see everybody in the credits. Like, they go through everyone, sure. you know? The, that's the credits, is, is showing what, what every my, character in their scenes. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do, in like, and it was very much in the late 80s, early 90s, was that like sort of sizzle high re- highlight reel of all the characters that you saw before. Uh, yeah. Just in like little like twisty things. It's so fun. Uh, again, it... I, I, it's so hard for me to because I recall seeing this when I was a kid and I didn't even know how to make heads or tails of this movie because I couldn't I didn't quite understand what the movie was trying to do uh, yeah because it because to anybody else it would seem wildly inconsistent uh, because sure. you, you 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 see Tom Hanks you see Carrie Fisher you see all these other people like you think you know what movie you would want to see just based on the pedigree of the actors involved and it's very much not that. It's very much not what you expect all of these people to be in. And that's kind of what I came into it with having first seen it because I was like, all right, what's the deal with the burbs anyway? Like, is it is it like a comedy? Is it even horror? Is it a thriller? Is it like and it's kind of none of them and all of them. It's it's such this weird plucking of only the weirdest parts of all of those things and then twisting them to like 180 degrees and making it way over the top way uh, like tongue-in-cheek and still making it all work that's the weirdest thing that this movie can do because i mean you have you have a good director man like here's the thing thinking of that thinking of the things that all the things that this movie juggles none of this should work like none of this none of what this movie's trying to do like all of this would fall flat all of this could easily just be like, what? What are you trying to do, man? But you get it every step of the way. Yeah, like, I got it. Well, it's, it it's, seems like every person who read this script just they got it right away and they went with it because I mean I'm looking at, at how the production happened, and it basically you know it attracted a producer at Imagine Films. Then it was received well by Brian Grazer, Joe Dante. That's who they thought would be good for it because he had done Inner Space and Gremlins. He thought it was great because he likes that offbeat stuff. They went to Tom Hanks, and he thought it was really cool because it was uh, offbeat. It was different. Yeah, it was offbeat, and it's this you know psycho comedy type stuff. It's dark comedy, and it's just it makes it more fun. And that's how people got on board with this because it was a breath of fresh air. You know, it's and it reminds them of people they used to know or growing up in their neighborhoods being like oh those crazy people down the street oh yeah no i know that it's relatable you know this movie is relatable if you grew up in a cul-de-sac or a neighborhood type stuff like that there were always those strange people on your block and that's why this film i think has has stood the test of time and why it's still regarded by a lot of people as one of tom hanks and bruce stern's best films 
I it's it's for for sure like I have not heard much about the burbs in the Tom Hanks canon, but man, this is something that's like really up there with some of his earlier works. It's it's very it's very much worth a watch and like a real head scratcher and like it's so fun. It's just so fun. Obvi- easy recommend for me. Yeah, no, I mean this is this is like this is one of my tops. Um, the burbs was something I grew up on. I loved it since the first time I saw it back, I think, in 1989. Um, Yeah. Cannot recommend this movie enough. Um, If you haven't seen it, see it. If you have seen it, you know, watch it again because I think it's on on Amazon Prime right now. It's it's Um, great. It's super, super fun. So good. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. Oh, I want to try that again. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. What have we got coming up next week, Rob? Um, so we're going to take a look. This movie came out in 2014. It's called The Hive. Uh, it is from the director of Brightburn. And then, you know, we're going to actually take a look at Brightburn as well. Yes. Uh, because... right after that episode will be the next one. Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. until then, um, you can find us, you know, on iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, you know, place basically any place that you get your podcast. We are that's where we are. Uh, OhTheHorrorCast.com at OhTheHorrorCast is usually most of our social media handles and Instagram things. Uh, but yeah, you know, we always, we appreciate your support. You know, we appreciate the downloads. We pre- appreciate the uh, the comments and everything. Um, so, you know, always please leave us a review um, and we will try to keep putting out content that you guys enjoy. And keep them coming. We love it. Thank you guys so much for rocking with us this whole time. And until next time, I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. And we'll talk to you again soon. And we'll see you next time. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Now, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.